All right. Welcome to Iconosass. I'm your host, MK Lords, and I have a very special guest with me, Mr. Jim Jesus of the Lulberts of Libertarian Infamy of how else would you? Libertarians against humanity. Libertarians against humanity. Disgraced former fiend. (laughs) Fiend, my my fellow fiend in exile. Worms. <laughs> worms. Are we allowed to say that? Is that copyrighted? Yeah, I've, I've been trying to deworm myself for a while, and it's been mostly unsuccessful. Uh, I've been podcasting every day, and I usually still say worms, and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> it's <laughs> right in there. there. Yeah, it's it's in my brain. It is a worm in your brain. I replaced wor- saying the word word forever saying worms instead i even got people who didn't even necessarily know much about the fiends like saying it yeah and now i feel like i can't say it i feel like i'm not allowed but sometimes i say it anyway i'm doing it anyway can't stop it once it is in your brain it's gone yeah i have a bunch of friends who still say worms when they talk to me and i'm like worms i'm like that's right i'm still trying to get rid of that (laughs) my brain it's just not happening so yep (laughs) so that's um i I guess we we probably met a little bit before the fiends right because i I was familiar with libertarians against humanity and and some of the other stuff so yeah we were just kind of i guess internet friends and we started hosting the fiends together and just i guess collaborating on various different things so um i mean how how long have we known each other now it's been a couple years yeah i think it was actually about the time that you cut your um video about putting on makeup your response to to molina way back when yes i think that's what it was and i was like oh a fellow uh molinuvian skeptic (laughs) very much so so i i made this video years ago making fun of this internet philosopher named Stefan Molyneux that maybe only libertarians and alt-right people would know about. I didn't even know that your average person hasn't heard of Stefan yeah, Molyneux. He's, I, he's I basically a cult leader, and he came up with this crazy video about makeup and women wearing makeup and how it's just really deceitful and fraudulent and they're terrible for doing it and they're you know whatever they're trying to fool you into thinking that their eggs are viable yes yeah he made a big deal about like oh they're faking how fertile they look and so it was really fucking creepy and weird he was trying to kind of base it i guess in like i don't know maybe like evo psych or something i don't even know he was making up like weird history things about it and like all sorts of shit so i made my own video to <laughs> to it just taking it even further with the ridiculousness of it so yeah just one thing i can't stand is when i hear guys talking about the quality of eggs mm-hmm. what was your last show about if I, let's talk eggs I heard? Yeah, okay let's talk eggs with <laughs> with uh Andreas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was so. interesting. I was listening to that, and he was talking about how he uh, scrambles eggs, and I started cringing because he was talking about adding salt to eggs before you cook them, and I was just screaming, no, no, you don't do that. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's the word. You don't want to break down those proteins until after you cook them. Definitely don't want to do that. that that's the whole point of it, is to no. break down the proteins. No, so no, no, no. I think I think it's just a different philosophy, though. Well, um, I mean, I don't solve. Guess you eggs. guys are gonna have to have an egg off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I do more like the British style of uh, scrambled eggs, where you're slowly cooking them uh, on a stove with butter instead of milk, taking the taking it off and off the heat, and uh, not salting it until after it's done. So what you're saying is you're challenging Andreas to an egg duel. Yeah, a scrambled egg duel. A scrambled egg yeah. duel. He'll probably right. beat me with 
over easy eggs because that's that's a new thing that I've just been getting into because I've been, always been against runny eggs until I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it. <laughs> and when I did try it, I was like, wow, I've just been missing out on goodness for a long, long time. Yeah. I love runny eggs. That's yeah. the only way I'd eaten them before. And I, I mean, I would eat scrambled eggs, but they were never my favorite. They were just kind of like, oh, whatever. Yeah. But, it's so. safe. It's a safe. It, it's a safe thing. It yeah. pleases everyone. And that's why Americans yeah. like because everybody everything's got to be safe. Your steak's got to be well done. Well done with some no. ketchup. It's got to be blue rare. You know, just drag it through the kitchen. Yeah, right. <laughs> just like run it. Flame kissed. That's how I want my steak. Yes, it yeah. needs to be bleeding and possibly still screaming. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless I go to a steakhouse, like a proper steakhouse, then I'll get medium rare, and that's the only time I do that because usually they spend most of their time perfecting all of their equipment in order to do it medium rare. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a way to optimally do it. But any other place where it's not an exclusively a steakhouse, rare. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Sure. You know, give an extra tip. Like, come on, just blue rare. <laughs> it's like, if you know what you're doing, you'll be able to do it right. Yeah. So mm, steaks. Yep. I say I could go for a steak right now, but I'm actually good because I had a pretty big lunch at this place <laughs> called Tommy's, which J- Jim was like, okay, he posted what on Facebook that Tommy's is better than In-N-Out. Yep. And I love In-N-Out. Mm-hmm. I was like, In-N-Out is one of my favorite things ever. And I'd never been to Tommy's, so I was like, okay, I have to find out about this Tommy's thing. And you were adamant that, like, you know, it's way better and all that. So I was like, okay, okay, I'm skeptical. I'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. Chili on a burger. Let's see how this pans out. <laughs> you go wrong with the chili burger. Well, bad chili. That can go wrong with well, the chili you burger. Can't, you can go wrong with the chili yeah, burger. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're You right. can go very wrong with the chili yeah. burger. <laughs> but this one was done right. And you were right, Jim. Yep. You were right. I was right. <laughs> so. And I'm still right about the hateful eight. No, you're not. But- <laughs> Some inside baseball. That is some inside baseball. You know what? You're just wrong about the hateful yeah. eight. It's a great film. No, it's not. It's a it's great the film. Most boring film I've almost ever seen. It's all just white noise and snow and just uninspired dialogue. And what pissed me off was I saw it in the theater, and the best part of the movie. So they split it into two parts and mm. did an intermission in the beginning. And so the first part drags on. It's just the most boring shit I've ever experienced, except for when it gets to the Samuel Jackson monologue. And it's oh. really fucking funny and good. And then it cut to intermission. And I was like, okay, I'm not thrilled about the first part, but it got good there at the end. Maybe it's it's got to get better. It's mm. Tarantino. So it's like a 10-minute intermission. Comes back from intermission and the movie just drags along for another like five hours of just like excruciatingly boring. They're just in a cabin trying to kill each other. I hated it. Well, Reservoir Dogs, most of that movie was filmed inside of a warehouse. Yeah, but it was better. I I would agree that it's better. That doesn't necessarily mean that the other one is bad. I didn't say it's, it it's, did. I was just saying. It's not an argument. Eight. That's what I'm saying. Eight, eight, eight. I, I, I hate to disagree. We're going to have to move on to the next caller. Move on to the next caller. <laughs> <laughs> we have a long-standing feud about Hateful Eight. And yeah. unfortunately, 
Jim is just is subjectively wrong. It's okay to be wrong. Subjectively Like, wrong. I can admit when I'm wrong. I did not think the Tommies would be as good or better than yeah. In-N-Out. And I was wrong. Yeah, I was trying to, to elicit some triggering. Because first I said In-N-Out's better than Five you Guys. You can't trigger me. I'm untriggerable. Okay. <laughs> I said In-N-Out is better than Five Guys. And that, that was a lot of hate. But, That's true, though. But that there was is a lot true. of people in, in there that were saying, like, Jim is right. And there was a lot of people saying Jim is wrong. And then they were all kind of fighting with each other. And I was like, this is a great dialogue. I love it. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, now that I've set the foundation, now that I've started, let's build the house, my house of troll, which was Tommy's is better than it out. Because that is a really a fringe position. Because a lot, not a lot of people has had Tommy's. Tommy's... I think has a very even smaller market share than in and out. Like I don't think it's even outside of Southern California. I could be wrong. Okay, so like Southern California in, in this yeah. area. We're in Vegas, by the way. Yeah. So you know, it's, there's a little bit of seepage that kind of goes in. But Las Vegas is basically Southern California with lower taxes at the end of the day, and you can smoke in the bars and gamble. And you know, if you go a little bit northeast or northwest, you can you can get hookers or north too. Yeah. Legally. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a pretty sweet place so far. Yeah. I've only Blackjack been here one day. It's uh, basically... I'm not a big gambler. We're going to create uh, really. our own Southern California with Blackjack and Hookers, literally. Well, hey, you know, <laughs> there you go. I mean, talk about some freedom. Yep. You know, people got to work. People got to survive. Sex work is work. Yep. It's really hard work. I mean, yeah. it seems very challenging. Yeah. I just finished the book, Getting Screwed, Sex Workers and the Law, and it was really good. I really recommend people read that because it really goes into the history of some of the, like, sex work prohibition and then also bringing it more recently to, like, you know, what is happening with law enforcement and how they don't take sex workers seriously and they, they don't take their complaints seriously or, like, if they're raped or something like that. And it's been like that throughout all of history. And they also kind of go through and talk about the way that sex work is regulated differently in different parts of the world. So apparently New Zealand has a pretty good system. I mean, it's, it's decriminalized and there's fewer there, – there's a lot less violence against sex workers and it seems like overall a lot more safer – yeah, I know there's there's other parts of the country where they have systems that are, it's legal to sell it, but it's not legal to buy it. Mm-hmm. So the, really the onerous is on the john. But I think in practice it ended up working out kind of well, because if something did happen, then they can just nail them on that charge. But usually they look the other way if it's everything's fine, money's paid and everything. So, mm-hmm. And they found that in the states that had that regulation – there was a slight uptick in in violence or certain things because the Johns are so rushed to mm-hmm. because they're now you know the person who's going to be in trouble if they get caught. So the whole process is a lot more paranoid and rushed, and there's still that kind of yeah. The, the state is always bad, <laughs> right? Yeah. Any state solution is going to be bad. Like here, they they have stringent rules, and what ends up happening is you create kind of like a cartel of brothels. Mm-hmm. And so basically Dennis Hoff owns most of them. And, and 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 those ones are and the ones that aren't are slowly getting bought out. So yeah, you have that kind of problem too. Mm-hmm. And if if I was to somehow get the kind of money I would need to go through the regulatory hurdles in order to do it, it would be a very expensive process for me to start up my own brothel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they do have a lot of it's still pretty highly regulated even here, right? It's limited to certain counties and from what the yeah. book was saying, 
a lot of the places are on kind of resorts and these sex workers basically have to stay there. Yeah. They're not allowed to go outside of certain county lines and stuff like that. They basically live yeah. at the brothel. And there, there's some positive stuff to, this, to the kind of regulations they do. And I think mm-hmm. were the state to kind of disappear from the situation, it would still be the same. It's like you would just do it under contract uh, where they would have to stay there. And a lot of that stuff is to try to avoid STD transmissions and uh, pimps coming in and taking the women's money. Well, they don't need to do that because, you know, security is pretty safe at those places. Mm-hmm. You know? That was, yeah, that was something that was mentioned, too. Like, it tends to be pretty high security. So yeah. so where does the name Jim Jesus come from? Because um, we both go by real fake names. Yeah. Long ago, back when I smoked weed and lived in Riverside, uh, California, a group of my friends, you know, we you know, pulled some money together and we decided we were going to get a uh, quarter. And uh, we, we were calling my uh, one of our friends, who was, who was also our dealer as well. And when I called them, so there's this rapper. I guess, I don't know if he's a rapper or he's a music producer or whatever. And his name is Telephone Jim Jesus. And if you look up Jim Jesus, two things come up, me and him. Um, when, what happened was I called him, and he's like a fan of his music or whatever. When I called him, I, I called him on speakerphone, and all my friends were around. Uh, and as soon as, as soon as he picked up the phone, he started. He was like, Internet Jim Jesus! Uh. <laughs> and everybody was just laughing, and then it just stuck with me. And I was like, I'm, I'm totally okay with this. <laughs> I'm totally okay with this. And so, like, my real-life friends have been calling me Jim Jesus for a while now. And I was just like, I'm not going to fight this. I like it. Why not just kind of embrace it? And it also it also kind of puts like another layer of security. I mean, my name's James Alexander. I'm the fourth, and you know there still is just that layer where you would have to do some extra digging to find my actual name, and that's fine. And I have no problem with people finding my name, but I don't. I'm not trying to be a professional talker, you know, because there's there's can be some problems with that if I say things that are kind of controversial or whatever, which I do. It could always be linked back to my name and then finding work could be a problem if they do just a simple Google search. So it just adds one extra step that a lot of employers don't want to do. So Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, because, I mean, sometimes you want to have some fun on the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one I really like is, is uh, people – who disagree with me will, especially like kind of the atheist group will be like, well, you're just a stupid Christian anyway. And I'm like, well, no. Okay. <laughs> no. It kind of helps me filter out like, who's the idiot. If you're just going to assume that I'm a Christian cause my name is Jim Jesus, then you know, whatever. I'm not Christian. <laughs> so right, it's right. Kind of been, uh, like it just, hel- it's like one extra thing to help filter out, you know, okay, you're an idiot and I don't have to waste my time on you. Next, <laughs> next negative comment. <laughs> right, next negative <laughs> comment. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that's interesting. I always wondered where that kind of came from. And I, I kind of like that too. I mean, my name is still my real name. It's just basically like my initials and then a name I took from someone else, but never legally changed it to. So, and it's kind of got that whole MK Ultra type feel to it. Right. Well. A lot of people have asked me that. If I say MK, they'll be like, like MK Ultra? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> or or yeah, sometimes what I'm, do you like, know about it? <laughs> I'm like maybe. Yeah. And I designed a, a logo for myself, and I specifically made it out to be with a triangle, and I wanted it to have something that kind of looked like uh, I don't know the eye of Providence. Is that what do they call it? You know, the all-seeing eye. Yeah, I have that. Too. Uh, just reminiscent of it. Now it doesn't look like it. Reminiscent of it, and so people will go like. Ooh, that's a that's an interesting thing you got there. Like, you know, are you part of the Illuminati? I'm like, yeah, 
yeah. That's what people say when Don't they see my back me. tattoo. Because <laughs> it's like the all-seeing eye, yeah. and it says, like, be here an hour around it, and people are like, oh, Illuminati, and I'm yeah. like, yeah. Some people, like, some weirdos have found me before and made, like, weird, like, they really do believe that I've been, like, some, like, in the Illuminati, or they think that I'm, like, demon-possessed because I have this tattoo on my back. <laughs> like, this guy started commenting on one of my pictures who, like, he randomly found, we weren't even Facebook friends, I don't even think, or maybe we were, I don't know, um, he, like, slipped in through the cracks or something, and he starts commenting on it and saying just really weird things, like, yeah, I'm some, like, demon-possessed whore or something <laughs> like that, and uh, all of this stuff. And then he starts DMing me and sending me these audio recordings of really fucking creepy shit. Like, he was saying, oh, I'm gonna find you and I'm gonna cut that out of your back and, you know, all wow. this fucking weird shit. And I was just like, blocked? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, no, you're not. But also, Blocked? So that was weird. That was uncomfortable. Yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of, I don't know, being a woman on the internet is um Yeah, I, I try to elicit fun. that kind of crazy stuff every once in a while. When I was much younger, I was really into Bill Cooper, um, who was a conspiracy theorist. I mean, just yeah, out there. he was a, real out there. A, yeah. lot of, uh, a lot of conspiracy theorists think that guy was a fed trying to spread this information because, I mean, he had some really weird stuff about the Kennedy assassination. Like, he said it was a limo driver who turned around and shot him. It's just insane stuff. But I, I was I believed all that stuff. And it wasn't until later when I started looking into him, I'm like, oh, this guy's an alcoholic, wife-beating piece of crap. I guess he would go to bars and joke around with his friends about, you know, oh, yeah, I, I tell people bullshit and they buy it. <laughs> I mean, the guy was an obvious That's what fraud. I assume a lot of those guys yeah. are like. They're sitting around with their friends drinking beer and being like, can you believe what these people believe? Yeah, and they buy it. They, they like Alex Jones, you know, it. I wonder, like, how much of that is an act. Yeah. I don't know. People who work with him say that, you know, who have left have said, yeah, he's like that in real life. And it's really weird. Can you um, imagine? That's going to be so stressful. <laughs> working with him? Working with him. Being him. <laughs> being him. <laughs> Can you imagine waking wow. up and you're, you are him? Every, yeah, reading the headlines and stuff and freaking out about it. Yeah, that would, that would not be a uh, mindset that I want to be in at all. No. 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 Yeah, but uh, I posted this video on my channel of some other kind of UFO crazy, but he's not nearly as crazy as Bill Cooper, talking about his history and all the stuff that's going on with Bill Cooper and everything. And I had the, the comments open for a long time on that thing. Just just curiosity, like what what kind of weirdos it would pull out. And it got really, really weird for a while, so I was disabled comments on that one. Forget that. Yeah. <laughs> I went through a conspiracy theory phase. Mm -hmm. I'm not proud to admit it. We all make mistakes. We yep. all make poor judgments and information. What was your thing? A lot of the weird different conspiracy theory stuff. So I was probably into it in my like late teens and then like very early 20s. The anti-GMO thing. Okay. I was very much into like, fuck Monsanto. And I was a <laughs> vegan at the time and stuff too. So I was very, you know... In all of that, and even when I got out of veganism, I still was very much like, corporations are fucking with our food and poisoning <laughs> us and, and, like, the fluoride in the water thing. And, I mean, I still do believe, I mean, like, dosing people, like, you can't regulate the dose of something, so it's, yeah. it seems like a really bad idea to try to add something to the water supply that you can't, it's going to vary on, of dosage between people and some people are going to, it just seems like an unnecessary thing. Yeah, but, but to defend the devil for a second, a lot of water fluoridation programs is actually taking fluoride out uh, mm. for it's a safe dose. But again, but they're also adding things like 
things that I'm a little bit more concerned about, like chlorine. I was about to say chlorine. Yeah, it's chlorine. Worse. And if you taste, I don't know if you tasted our water here yet. I did try a little bit. It's yeah. like drinking pool water. It's it's horrible. Mm-hmm. I was um, I love making pizza. That's my thing. That's that's my eggs. Um, that's your eggs. <laughs> my eggs is, your eggs is and pizza. I make everything from scratch. <laughs> I get you know bread flour, mix it everything in, in my thing, and yeast and everything. Normally, I used to use just regular uh, or the water that I get from you know the water store, and then you know I haven't been doing that for a while, and I was like, I really need to start making pizzas again. It's been a long time, mm-hmm. and I used the tap water, and for the life of me, I could not understand like why the heck can't I get my 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 uh, my yeast to bloom? And I was like, okay, maybe if I put it in the dough and whatever, and it just bread wouldn't rise; it would just sit there, just dull. And I couldn't figure it out. And I was I spent like a whole month going like, what? maybe it's a different temperature. Maybe I should add different amounts of yeast. Like, what's going on? And then I was like, you know, I bet it's the water. <laughs> I didn't realize this is Lake Mead water. This is terrible stuff. There's a B-52 bomber at the bottom of Lake Mead. And we're drinking the water out of that stuff. Ooh. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe, we should, maybe we should try something else. And went and got the water again and from the water store and everything was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm but, still I'm still, you know, a little paranoid about water stuff. I've lived in places with really bad water. Yeah. And I mean Pensacola had the worst water in the country at one point. Oh. Um, a few years ago, according to the EPA standards even. It was just really, really bad water. So I mean I've been filtering water for a while and some places aren't so bad. It just kinda depends. But yeah, Florida was really bad and so is California and I had a little bit here and it's like, yeah, very chlorine. Filled. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't... What else was I into? So I kind of got into some of that, like, new age woo-woo stuff. <laughs> I was a super hippie. I had I had dreadlocks and was a vegan and was probably the most annoying person in the world. Yeah. And so, yeah, I bought into some of that stuff, but I never bought into to all of it. There, there, was, there were some things that I was, like, really, like, energy healing. Reiki. Yeah. Reiki was... Which, no offense to anyone who practices that stuff, <laughs> I, I don't, I, you know, I've met some very, very awesome, nice people who are Reiki masters and yeah. stuff. I just, it just didn't do anything for me, because I, and ultimately I just had to come to terms with, I mean, after pretty staunchly an atheist for a long time, and then I started smoking a lot of weed and doing a lot of drugs, <laughs> and got, like, real You say that, it's a bad thing. <laughs> I, and then I got, like, well, that wasn't the problem. It was, like, it was me just not being as critical about things. So, like, yeah, I kind of got into some of the woo-woo stuff for a while, and then I just realized over time there was that, and then I very briefly converted to Christianity, and then I went back to basically being an atheist, and I was just like, that was a weird time in my life. I was just very, yeah, confused, not really thinking critically and not really, yeah, being super. Yeah. My, uh, the conspiracy theory that I was really attached to, because Bill Cooper, I mean, Bill Cooper, people try to paint him as like, oh, he predicted 9-11, but he didn't think he predicted 9-11. Because after 9-11, I remember going to his website and seeing him say like, oh yeah, Bin Laden did this, he's responsible, we need to bomb the hell out of him, and he was very Jangoist at the time, uh, very pro-Afghanistan uh, war and all that stuff. But so, so I never really fell into that one, you know, I was kind of on, on what he was saying too, because I was also a liberal back then as well, like I was a progressive green at the time. Yeah, I was, I was a 
lefty at that time. Yeah. The, the thing that I was most interested in was like Majesty 12 and the Illuminati and all that stuff that the government was going to fake this move, uh, this, this alien invasion so we can unite under one world government. That was, that was the conspiracy theory train that I was on, which is really bizarre. <laughs> I, I bought into a little bit of the one world government stuff and I will say I did believe 9-11 was an inside job. Oh, you were? You were one of those? Uh. I was one of those people. <laughs> and it, it, all, it all happened when I discovered Ron Paul. And so I politically, like my first political stance was anti-war, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of like it, the whatever political affiliation. It was just like I remember being a kid and uh, like watching, you know, what was happening in Kosovo and stuff. I was like really young and just being just knowing i was like whatever they're doing over there is like fucked up and wrong Mm -hmm. and i'm like against wars i'm against all wars and i learned more about history and that just kind of cemented my stance and so when i was in high school it was under the george w bush administration and i got very kind of politically active at that time more so in left-wing type stuff and i even came across like anarcho-socialism and like leftist anarchism before other types of anarchism. And I was, cause I was really, I spent a lot of time at this vegan cafe downtown and reading like do it yourself zines and like that real, like all hanging out with like crust punks and stuff. Uh, Gutter punks. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was right near like a, a train line. So you'd have a lot of train hoppers and like yeah. people, really interesting people coming through. Yeah. Um, and they were very, you know, radical people. So I was exposed to a lot of that and they were very anti-war and the leftists that were in Pensacola at the time are really hardcore leftists because the place is in the panhandle. So it's already really far right. Mm -hmm. So the leftists have to be way far, you know, the, the, the backlash of that. And yeah. And, and I ended up coming across Ron Paul because I wasn't really interested in, a lot of the Democrat choices when the election was coming along, I guess in 2008, I was just like, nah, these guys all seem like lying assholes. And I came across some libertarians who were super into Ron Paul and they were conspiracy theory libertarians. So that was my introduction to libertarian world was like hardcore conspiracy theorists. I mean, they believe in the one world government stuff. They were hardcore about 9-11 was an inside job. And so the 9-11 was an inside job thing made sense to me because I hated the Bushes. Mm-hmm. I like I had just pure hatred yeah, for everything too. that they were doing and everything they'd done. And it made sense in my mind. I was like, the government is so evil and so corrupt that why wouldn't they kill thousands of their own people so that they can kill thousands more? I mean, it's things like that had been done before. You had like Operation Northwoods. You had like all these kinds of CIA plots and COINTELPRO and MKUltra and mm-hmm. all of those actual programs that targeted people and split up movements and all that. So that, that was my reasoning on it, at least, because yeah. I'm not a fucking physicist. <laughs> I'm not, you know, a, yeah, I can an trust, engineer. <laughs> I can trust the government as far as I can throw them, but that doesn't also mean that I think that everything is a conspiracy. There's enough bad shit that the government does that's kind of out in the open Yeah, that you don't need to make up even crazier stuff. Yeah, they, they gleefully admit that they go overseas and bomb hundreds of thousands of people. 
you know, I don't need to go th- go through and prove that you know they killed three thousand people, you know, on the on the grassy knoll. You know, <laughs> I don't need to. I don't need. Yeah, to do that. yeah, yeah. It just makes you sound like a lunatic. If if you could just show to people like, hey, look, they're going around. Look how many casualties of innocent civilians. Even if you even if you don't take this position, you know that these people's lives matter, who are combatants. What about the innocent people who are killed? The the casualties, mm-hmm. you know, and for what? A lie, you know. <laughs> All of these things were ends up being a lie. I mean, even Afghanistan. I mean, I know Ron Paul voted for it or whatever, but it it seems as though like he was kind of politically forced to do it. You know, he probably wouldn't have gotten reelection unless he voted for that war because in people's minds, Afghanistan attacked the United States when actually mm-hmm. it was you know a group of people who were connected to the government doing it. Yeah. So I was I've been skeptical of the government my entire life and then I found like libertarianism and I got a little more paranoid and, and weird about the government. <laughs> and then I find out that some of those paranoid weird things are totally legitimate. I yep. mean the you NSA have, is spying the on NSA you. The NSA has been spying on you yeah. for a very long time. These things are very real. You, your civil liberties are they don't exist nope. when it comes to you and the government. And, yeah, so, I mean, and I've kind of gone back and forth as far as, you know, what I believe with stuff, but I've pretty much always been (laughs) anti-authoritarian. Yeah. So. That's where, that's where um, I've always been, even when I was a progressive, because what it was boiling down to is I was interested in the, um, the social aspect of it. I think, you know, people should be allowed to marry, people should be allowed to smoke pot, not harming anybody, whatever, that's fine. And the only people that are doing that on the main stage, you know, even, I mean, the, I got in through, you know, politics mostly through Jello Biafra, uh, mm-hmm. who's a singer of, of uh, the Dead Kennedys, and he's, he's yeah. a green, and that's how I kind of got into that. But the only people who talk about that stuff, and that's the stuff that mattered to me at the time, because I, I wasn't having a job out or paying taxes, I was in high school, you know, the only thing, you know, were the the left and the Democrats and stuff. And so it was just like, well, they're right on this. I'm assuming that they're right on, you know, on, on uh, economics as well and foreign policy. Holy crap, that was wrong. Uh, <laughs> so I was just, you know, like, okay, well, you know, apparently that team is wrong on this. So they're they're probably wrong on that too. So, you know, I'm going to join this team. I ended up becoming more of a moderate Democrat later on down the line. But really convinced me to kind of get away from all that stuff was Penn and Teller. Uh, like I've been a huge like you can see that book over there. Where, where does it go? There's a there's a book over there. Oh yeah, I saw Penn and Teller, How to Play in Traffic. Oh, you can, yeah. Yeah, you can tell how old that book is. It is almost falling apart. I've had that book since I was a kid. I've been a huge Magic fan, and I really like Penn and Teller because they're hilarious. I remember um, paying for Directv in full with money. And definitely not pirating it. Um, I remember stumbling across a show called Penn and Teller Bullshit. Yep, I, I loved Bullshit. On Showtime, which I also was paying for legitimately with money. <clears throat> and uh, they they did a show about, <laughs> <laughs> about um, the Bible. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Uh, you know, like they're actually debunking the Bible. That's cool. I, I already agreed with it. And I was like, okay. And it was kind of like I felt a little bit comfortable. Okay. You know, what's the next episode? PETA. Why would you go after PETA? They're just helping poor little animals. And then you're like, holy crap, they're a terrorist organization. Yep. All right. Um, (laughs) Terrorist organization. All right. Well, what's the next episode? And they kind of lull you in because they were really good about going, hitting sides of, you know, 
we're going to hit, you know, what, what, you know, people on the left, you know, agree with. And we're going to hit things that people on the right agree with and back and forth, you know. And it, it was just slowly like, well, I'm going to wait till the next one because I know the next one I'll agree with because I, I assume these guys are on the left because they're smart and smart people are on the left. That's That was my whole mentality back then. <laughs> you know, the right was so stupid because look at George Bush. Um, well, that was mine too. And I grew up in the panhandle and I saw the explicit stupidity of all of that and the religious terrorism mm-hmm. in the area. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it was kind of like through that that I started getting into that and um, sort of finding like, okay, well, what's some libertarian stuff? And economics was really fascinating. I mean, really dry economic texts were really interesting to me. And, um, Someone told me, like, you know, oh, you should, you should check out Rothbard. Rothbard has this manifesto, the Libertarian Manifesto for New Liberty. And I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be great. It's going to be a, a text on how to, you know, how to have small government and why it's beneficial and everything. And Rothbard kind of leads you down this path in this book where he's going things that, you know, basic bitch libertarians agree with, you know, um, you know, small little like things that they already agree with, you know, drug war, blah, blah, blah. And then it starts going into things like the roads. And you're like, roads? Oh, okay. Well, I'll give this a shot. Why not? There might be a, a you know, a way to do it privately. And then courts. Wait, wait, courts? Police? We don't need an army? And by the end of it, I was, I remember I was on a train. I had hopped on that train of anarchist, came off an anarchist. And I was just like, fuck you, Rothbard. I had been spending all my time making fun of these idiot libertarian anarchists who don't know what the hell they're talking about to being one of them. He tricked me into doing it. So, yeah, some of <laughs> Rothbard, Rothbard is a very tricky guy. You got to be careful. He, he's, he could be a little bit of a snake. For, yeah. good, for better or for worse. Yeah. <laughs> it can be a snake. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny, the kind of transitions I've gone through with that, because I went from, say, a pretty radical leftist stance. I, when you grow up where I, where I grew up, I think you radicalize in one of two ways. Mm-hmm. There are very – there are some moderates that I know, and, and, and I wouldn't even call them moderates. I would just say politically disinterested mm-hmm. people. A lot of people are politically disinterested. But if you do pay attention to politics and if you do get into it in that area, you generally go far right or far yeah. left. It's very polarized. So I was like, well, those guys are terrible. <laughs> They're like killing abortion doctors and they hate gay people. They like stage these massive protests every Memorial Day weekend and just like they're violent and crazy and whatever. So I was like, fuck those people. Um, so I, I kind of went more to the left side and then I kind of got more into libertarianism through reading things like the law, which I thought was just a very clear mm-hmm. cut case. I really like some of the stuff Michael Humer was writing about too. Mm-hmm. I think he, he makes some pretty good cases. And then I like fictional things. I've kind of mentioned this before, but Heinlein, I think, is a really good source. And I mean, it's kind of debatable whether or not he called himself a libertarian. I think he was very much beyond labels in a lot of ways. And so are a lot of the anarchists that I kind of have been influenced by. Would you say he's a non-labelist? Yeah. Okay. And I... Yes, he's such a contrary. Like he he's, would not want to be is put that, in any kind of box. Which is ironic because it's a label. But. Which is which is a label. Which I mean, I I understood because I've always been pretty anti-authoritarian and kind of contrarian and stuff like that. And I got into libertarian stuff, and I kind of veered probably a little more right wing than I naturally 
probably am. I was married at the time and stuff like that. And it, it's it's a kind of different reality when you're married and considering what you're going to do for your future and you know, if you're wanting to plan for a family and stuff, I think all of that stuff has an influence on your political perspective. But I almost feel like I've gone full circle and come right back to a more radical leftist kind of position. And when I say radical leftist, I don't necessarily mean I do a lot of political stuff anymore in that vein. And I, I mean, leftist, it's such a kind of loaded term to it's it's a huge umbrella it's a huge umbrella and i mean i almost don't even like using the term leftism i I prefer the term radicalism because i Mm -hmm. think that where i kind of fall with my beliefs they're they're a little bit i wouldn't say all over the place but there's a pretty widespread and i think that there's not really an ideology that fits everyone perfectly i I kind of got really disillusioned with libertarian stuff because there was this cult-like mentality yeah. in it. And that's true with a lot of political stuff, a lot of any any kind of movement. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm glad you have to have a lot of that is fading in libertarianism. I don't know if I played a role in it, but I was really trying to get people to be a little bit more skeptical about people inside of the group. I mean, yeah, the LP is always infighting, but it's usually just minarchists and anarchists. But, for, like, but if you walked into any one of those rooms and said, you know, I think Mises was wrong about praxeology, they would have your head on a platter, <laughs> no matter what. Uh, you don't you don't say anything bad about those people. Anarchists are no better. They're they're very collectivist. They they want dogmatic. to defend their own. Very dogmatic. But a lot of that's start, starting to fade, and I've I've noticed that. Like back in the day, if you posted something by this this scam artist in Mexico, I'm not going to say his name. If if you if you did that. You know, and if one person was like, I don't know, this guy seems like a con artist or something, you would get dogpiled. They would get dogpiled on, like, you prove it right now. Like, you just show me where he's he's conning people. Now, when you see this stuff posted by this, you'll see, like, multiple people go, like, like, oh, I posted this. And then and then you'd see, like, people going, like, this guy's a con artist. Don't give him a cent of your money or whatever. And people are like, yeah, yeah, he is. But sometimes he has interesting guests on and I'll put up with it. But, yeah, don't give him your money. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not just him, but there's a bunch of other people that's the same way. And it's like, I don't know how much of a role I played in that <laughs> because I was, you know, I, I was one of those people that was really kind of pushing everybody to be critical. You know, you don't have to accept Roth, everything Rothbard says. Rothbard can, Rothbard can be wrong. And that's you know. kind of how I think we, we found each other was we were both criticizing the same people for roughly the same reasons, mm. the, the kind of dogmatic, cult-like belief in the in free markets or yeah. privatization of everything or things like that like there are no there's no allowance for nuance in a lot of these people's minds and that's really dangerous like pure ideology is <laughs> garbage pure ideology yes. pure ideology like it, it's it's dangerous it's bad for you and it, it basically makes you put blinders on yeah. and so yeah so i remember finding out about Libertarians Against Humanity, the card game that you mm. made, which was hilarious. Well, it's an and expansion to Cards Against Humanity. It's a, yeah, it's an expansion to Cards Against Humanity. So I didn't make the game. I made the yeah. expansion for it. Yes. A, a already awesome game. And then they DMCA'd me, so I can't sell them. Uh, 
Yeah, which are shitty. Yeah. But it was a good idea, and it was a lot of like libertarian <laughs> inside baseball references, mm-hmm. and that was it was kind of when I realized I was like, I know too much about all of this in side baseball yeah. stuff and i feel like i'm kind of wasting my time because i don't i didn't see it getting better as far as people really wanting to be honest about some of their thought leaders and pushing back against people who are predators and abusive and scam artists yeah. and i don't or just know say things that are just wrong yeah or like, just say things that are wrong and i like we both caught a bunch of shit for it and i like caught so much shit but and i don't know if any of my kind of constant complaining or being like this guy's an asshole scam artist did anything but it did add a phrase to the lexicon i think which is libertarian welfare queens (laughs) so now i think people i don't know i've seen it used randomly yeah and to define what that is it's an article i wrote a few years ago at the end of 2014 and for the record i have no problem with people taking welfare from the government yeah. or from the state. I, I don't care. Steal this isn't about back. that. Yeah. The, the point of the article was it was satirical and it was mocking the tone in which the people that I was criticizing use to appeal to other people. Yeah. The, the kind of brash, like brutish, ridiculous, over-the-top, simplistic kind of way that they would they would talk about these things. And I was criticizing them for real things, too. And... A lot of them were very outspoken against the whole welfare queen idea, which if you go back in history, you find out it was constructed by the Reagan administration and is not an actual real phenomenon, but it has a bunch of yeah. roots and classes of yeah, racism. I wouldn't say it's not a re- it's not a real phenomenon. Yeah, I agree it's, with it's that. It's not as it, it in does the way that happen, think of it. but it's it's not a very it's not a very smart way of doing it. Uh, and they'll they'll quit they quickly learn that oh now that's. You know, that's just rumor stuff. You know, you actually don't get that much more money. It's not worth it. They needed, to de- they <laughs> yeah. needed a de- yeah. someone to demonize yeah. the whole thing because this, of the, the I'm, I'm sure there was a couple people out there that really tried to do it and, and failed because it's not a very successful tactic to right. get more money from the state. So a libertarian welfare queen is someone who lives off of the welfare of other libertarians, of the movement, Mm -hmm. as they call it. So these are people who take large sums of money from people, promising them one thing and then not delivering and basically stealing the money and trying to make a living off of being a thought leader. And I picked three extremely prominent people, although there's, I mean, I could do like two or three or four follow-up articles to this if I really wanted to, but I don't. Encyclopedia. I write a whole, (laughs) and and I have an encyclopedia in my mind already. Because of that article, people started coming to me and being like, have you heard about what such and such did? Have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? So basically, (laughs) we were talking about this last night, like I'm the libertarian NSA. (laughs) It's like... I know too much. I got dirt on everyone. But yeah, and it frustrated me because it was something I had spent a lot of my time advocating for. And, you know, it was very disillusioning and stuff. But it needed to be said. I don't know what came of it. I mean, what came of it is I've been completely vindicated. I caught so much shit for that article. I was called a fascist. I was called evil. I was told I was trying to divide the movement. I, I was called all sorts of things. Every single one of the people that I named in that article has gotten worse on everything. And they've been outed as one of them became an, well, two of them became basically Nazis. 
Yeah. I mean, I know you have an one, issue with the term Nazi. So well, one's a white nationalist and one's an actual Nazi. If we're going to one's a, split one's a hairs. White, one's a white nationalist and one's a white supremacist. Yes. And yeah. neither of them are Which is far worse. And, one's far worse than the other. <laughs> Very far worse. They're bad. Then the other one was outed as an abusive person, Um, and I mean, he's still stealing money from people too, no doubt. But yeah, but I've I've backed away from a lot of that because I think, at least what I do for activism now is more on a private level. I work with different individuals that are in bad situations. You know, it's a slower type of activism because some of the people I've been working with, it's been over a period of years, basically Mm -hmm. keeping up with them and talking to them and making sure they're safe and helping them get the resources to move towards getting out of the dangerous situation they're in. And that takes, yeah, that takes a much longer time, but it is, it's more meaningful to me because you see the progress of that person and you see them coming out of it. And it's also helped me with a lot of stuff that I've been kind of going through. So I don't care about saving the world. No, No, um, like I talk about the things that I talk about, especially with, in terms of economics and libertarianism and philosophy. And it's more um, like, it'd be nice if these ideas get tried out in practice. I'm not holding my breath, but as technology kind of progresses, it seems as though, it's it's a little bit more viable to to possibly see maybe experiments in the future, you know. I, I used to say that I'll never see it in my lifetime, but I'm, I may see like glimmers of it. But you know, like we we have things like Bitcoin and Cell Four One One. I had reluctantly. Nope, nope. Um, for any I mean, listeners listening to yeah. this podcast, I explicitly do not recommend Cell Four One One because yeah, yeah. if the person who's managing your data has stolen private data from people and leaked it, that's probably really bad security practice, and your data is probably yeah. at risk. Um, and then I'm not going to go into the other horrible things that he's done. Yeah, I, I, that's why I was very reluctantly saying that. I think I think maybe an alternative in the future. I mean, the, the idea is really great if we can f- find a better execution of it. But I the mean, founder spends a lot of time uh, going out of his way to call people mentally ill and yeah. then pick on <laughs> mentally ill. People. Yeah, that's why I was reluctantly saying it. Um, maybe if the peacekeeper app. And I'm not reluctantly saying yeah, it. Yeah. I'm saying fuck that guy <laughs> because. No, I mean I'm reluctantly mentioning it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I, full stop. I do not recommend cell four one one. I can give you if a only, lot of detailed reasons why. And whenever, whenever anyone reaches out to me and asks me about it because this happened, they're like, "What do you think about cell four one one?" I was like, "What do you think about someone having access to your data that leaked a bunch of other person's private data in order to ruin their reputation yeah. for the pettiest of reasons? For basically, just- basically." Because he was mad that this person wouldn't sleep with his friend. Yeah, I that's really, basically that's literally what happens. This is like I a, really a forty-year-old pe- man who's acting like a teenager yeah. is the founder of Cell Four One One. I really wish the Peacekeeper app worked. That's all I could say. Yeah. <laughs> I wish the Peacekeeper app would, would have worked. It didn't work. That's why we got this. But I mean, like the the technology is there. You can. You, you Anyone know, can do it, and yeah, it can be it, done better. Yeah, yeah, it could be done better. Just, just, just the knowledge that something like that is possible is, is, a, is a step in the right direction, I guess. But you know, as as I'm seeing these things, like these alternative, these alternatives to the state already kind of emerging spontaneously, you know, there's there's a good chance that there's could be something, you know, that could happen. 
you know, who knows? You know, I, I can't predict the future. I don't know what kind of technology is going to come out in the future that could make something like that possible. But most of most of the time when I'm talking about these things, it's mostly to kind of spur some ideas, get people thinking, you know, and, and have, have a discussion over these things and and trying to get people to step away from, like, your choices are, are not McDonald's and Burger King. There's fucking in and out. There's Tommy's. <laughs> you know, there you go. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, you, you, and granted, you, you still have to kind of work through the same systems that these big conglomerates have built you know, to, to kind of stampede them in the way. But, you know, you can still get a taste of it. <laughs> yeah. You can still get a taste of that chili burger. Still and technology is, is definitely liberating <laughs> us in a lot of really interesting ways. And, and restraining us. And restraining us, yeah. I mean, it's... I don't really believe we're ever going to see anything close to statelessness in my lifetime. And I'm okay with that because, I, again, I don't really care about changing the world. I would like the world to be a better place, but ultimately it's just more important for me to kind of focus on my own health and the people who are closest to me and, you know, taking care of them. And if I can help individual people thrive and do better, I'm cool with that. I, I think a lot of people get caught in this. With any kind of political movement, you, you have your true believers and your evangelists and stuff, and it's all very much a religious type thing. Yeah. It's like you have to have this kind of true belief in this system that's going to work <coughs> for everyone and i am just not i've never been able to be in a true believer mindset even the few times i like converted to things and stuff i still and this is politically religiously everything you know i, I always have a degree of doubt and skepticism yeah and it's I, always healthy I, I think it's healthy and i think it's you know Helped me in a lot of ways avoid avoid a lot of other kind of ideological pitfalls, but I definitely feel like it took me a little a long time to figure out all of that out. But it's okay. I mean, I, uh, I I wrote one of the last pieces I wrote on my personal blog before I started writing on Medium was on libertarian fundamentalism, and I think the same critiques apply to again any kind of political organizing yeah. or movement. Yeah, it's just a critique of the dogma, and you, you have your patron saints of libertarianism. You have your, basically, people who can't be criticized, no matter how horrible they are, which the, it's a movement filled with predators. Yeah. Literal predators. When I say predators, I mean, like, pedophiles yeah. and ephibophiles, which I don't. I don't think there's a huge difference, you to know, be completely I, fucking honest. I'm not going to go into that. And scam artists and w people who abuse their spouses and, yeah. like, very violent people. But I think that's kind of become – you know, like, we know about it because we're inside the circles. We hear people or whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if, if you know, to learn that everybody in the conservative movement has – it's like the same thing. Or everything inside the Democratic Party system is the same thing. If, if we're really connected, we can hear all that stuff. And if I was, a, say, a Democrat and I would have found out all the stuff about, you know, Al Franken and Conyers and all the stuff that's happening around them now, if if I came out and blew the whistle, everybody would be like, you're fucking lying. Don't 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 you dare criticize them. You're just helping the Republicans. Just the same thing we hear from from libertarians now. But I don't know. It seems as though the ties are starting to slowly change. It's it's not 
it's not there yet. We're probably never going to get completely there because there's always going to be people who are just, it's easy for them to kind of just f- fall into some kind of label and just consume everything that this person say because they, they have some sort of rapport with them and that it's just easier to kind of get along that way because they have other things that they're doing in their life and they don't have the time to you know, try to dig through all the criticisms and all this other stuff and evaluate it. It's like, no, I got a nine to five and kids. I don't have time for that crap. I'm just yeah. going to, I'm just going to listen to this, this podcast and donate a hundred bucks and be on my way. Mm-hmm. So that's always going to be there. But at the same time, I'm slowly starting to see a lot of skepticism in, 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 in this movement. It's good. You know, I don't know how much role I've had in it. I've noticed that a lot of bigger people too, uh, are starting to kind of take that mantle and start to, disagree with some of the bigger uh, names in the movement now and that's good and the problem is the same problem with anything else and it's power and when you have way off power dynamics in any kind of you know social situation you're gonna have abuses of power and that's that applies to everyone it applies to all political parties and it's something that maybe some political parties are more aware of it than others Mm. But it's still always there. You have these people on the left, on the right, and they take advantage of their power in maybe slightly different ways sometimes, but the outcomes are pretty much the same. Stephanie and I were talking about this in one of the previous episodes. Kind of the whole Me Too campaign has raised a lot of awareness about all of the abuse that's going on on all sides of the... In every, in, it's in every industry, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's entertainment, it's politics, it's pretty much everything you can think of, tech. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that kind of raises more awareness about not only the problem of abuse, but the problem of wildly disproportionate power dynamics. Because yeah. that's really the root of it, and I think that gets missed sometimes. Yeah, like when, when the whole Me Too thing came out, I was kind of skeptical about how, how what it was going to do. I didn't know if it was going to turn into a bunch of people looking for blood, like if, if I don't like this entertainer, I don't like this politician, you know, you can just claim whatever and everyone's going to eat it up right now because that's that's the trend. And I thought it was going to quickly die off or whatever. So I was kind of skeptical at first and then I started, then like Harvey Weinstein went down and it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This guy, this guy is so well connected in Hollywood. It's insane. You know, he's, he's pretty much responsible for finding a lot of these really kind of obscure filmmakers and turning them into, you know, um, monsters, like, uh, um, not, not sexual predator monsters. No, yeah, 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 <laughs> I mean, like, like, like Leviathans, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Kevin Smith. Um, you know, if it wasn't for, for that, for Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Smith would have been like, he made a clerks and that was it. And so, like, and then, and then, you know, you started seeing all these other celebrities and now people are starting to be concerned, like, oh, uh, who uh, who who of my liking that's turning out to be a terrible person? Um, all of them. Yeah, it turns Spoiler out a alert. lot of them. All and, of them. And it seems as though the ones that are getting picked up are the really credible ones. I haven't seen any ones that seem bullshit at all. So yeah, it turned out like my my criticism was wrong initially. I was I was really skeptical that this was going to help anything. I mean, I wasn't saying stop doing it. I was just saying like I don't know what. What the result is, and I'm not very optimistic. And 
I mean, I wasn't very optimistic about it when when it first started. I was like, all right, no one's going to believe these women. Like, they always have throughout all of history. Mm -hmm. And so the more it went on, the more I was just kind of shocked that anyone's believing these people. I'm like, oh, my God, we're finally believing victims. It's like the women were right all along. If we only had listened, which, I mean, I've known because I've been following this shit for years, like, you know, a psycho. (laughs) So like when it came around, I didn't think much of it. I was just like, it's going to be another thing and it's going to have a huge backlash and people are going to be like, oh, these, you know, crazy harpies talking about these bullshit problems, which are extremely real problems that are destroy people's lives. Yeah, they're not just mad about the quality of their eggs, I guess. No, yeah, exactly. Like they're not, this is not like a superficial It all comes back to the eggs. It does. It all, all psycho back around to the Um. eggs (laughs) but yeah i mean we'll kind of see where it goes but i am still i'm a bit concerned there's going to be a backlash to it and you already have seen people trying to hijack it and trying to take advantage of i've also seen people like jumping in front of it knowing that they're next yep (laughs) oh who was the last one that did this i think geraldo rivera that looks like he might be next on the chopping block oh god by the time this comes out, it probably will come out. <laughs> it's like, it probably will. Yeah. yeah, but he's kind of been jumping out in front of these accusations as well. But th- those kind of rumors have been circulating about him for a while. I don't know. I think it's kind of good in the end. Who I don't need to know. I haven't seen anything in the libertarian movement about Me Too. Uh, taking anybody down. They're taking anybody down. I haven't heard anybody going down yet. Well, so this thing, everyone yeah. knows who the predators are. Yeah. But no one wants to say anything. But no. Well... Okay, so I have said stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been one of the few people who's been publicly talking about this subject for years, and I can tell you that after I did a speech on abusers in subcultures, which people thought it was just about libertarianism, and it wasn't. It was about all political subcultures, all subcultures. Like, abusers, regardless of where they're at, use the same techniques to target people and hurt people and continue getting away with people. And you have enablers who are constantly around them who are protecting them, basically. And so the same formula applies to everything. So I gave this talk, and I have been invited to one conference since. And that whole year I was speaking at conferences Bitcoin ones and libertarian ones. And it has been two years and I've been invited to one conference. And this was actually recently because I'd spoken at it years ago. And I asked them, I I basically said, yes, I'd love to speak at your conference. I, when people come to me to speak at their conference, I know that they're going to be using me to market their conference to sell tickets. I mm-hmm. recognize that there's a value to that marketing and my time. So I started asking to be paid too. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, Hey, yeah, I'd love to, but I need to be paid. And also do you have a sexual harassment policy or anything in place? Because surely you're aware of this me too thing that's come up. And surely you're aware if you've been in libertarianism long enough that there are certain people who are, you know, pretty abusive and have long histories and especially if you're a woman in libertarianism we all not i don't say we all know each other but there's a huge network of women who have been talking about this stuff for years we all we know who all the predators are you know but a lot of them work in the movement or for some reason can't come out and say anything it's very difficult 
for someone like me who will know what's going on and want to say something about it, but ultimately it's not always my yeah. place to say something. But yeah, I mean, I've been out about it. I've stuck my neck out on the line and it's really gotten me nowhere. But the conference, well, I wouldn't say nowhere. I mean, whatever. <laughs> but the conference got back to me and they were like, well, we can't pay you. And then completely ignored the part about sexual harassment. It's, it's a non-discussion yeah. among libertarians. And that's what is ultimately going to be the... I mean, it's already on the decline. I don't see it gaining more popularity or anything like that because the people are so... A lot of the people in it are so <clears throat> abrasive and hating of women. I mean, there's a lot of rampant misogyny. There's a lot of alt-right stuff that's happening. And... I don't trust a lot of them, and I don't think it's getting better. And, I mean, yeah, can we call these people out? Sure, everyone knows who they are. And the people who should be calling them out should be the people with Ooh. social capital who can take the hit rather than people who have less social capital and less influence and have a lot more to lose. And the people who do, who are at those power levels in libertarianism, and I know many of them and have spoken directly with them about these things, are unwilling to say anything despite having ample knowledge. Yeah. And that's, I think, very <clears throat> disappointing. And I don't need to prove my credentials with this stuff. I have a whole history of being right about these people. And I feel, I don't feel the need to keep fighting with libertarians about this stuff because you either live in reality or you don't. Yeah. You either understand that this is a thing that exists and is happening and is a problem, or you are in a delusional mind frame, which if you're on that pure ideology shit, like yeah. you're in a delusional fantasy land that's never going to happen. Yeah, the, the sexual harassment thing, uh, policies, like, I mean, there, there could be an explanation for it, I doubt, doubtful, but they could have been like, well, we can't pay you, so never mind the sexual harassment policy if you're not coming, so we're not paying you. But I think... I think a lot of that stuff with the the sexual harassment policy is it's so tainted. Like, because when it first started getting brought up, a lot of the stuff around it was seeming to be like way. Because I think it really that when when people started talking about like, okay, we need to have sexual harassment policies in this, it came from the whole like atheism plus thing and the skeptic movement, and a lot of the people there were really really just getting really bizarre with their demands. I remember there was one lady who was selling like these really like these ceramic pendants and she was saying that it was it was some a form of sexual harassment to to make their own and sell them at these conferences to compete with her. And it was just like what, what are you talking about? Um and so it kind of tainted the whole kind of argument to begin with. And and it's it's sad because yeah there there are things that happen there like I I was at Freedom Fest I didn't see anything because I'm a good boy and I hung out I hung out with other good boys and um, but yeah like the, there was a lot of rumors that was happening around there and then there was like this podcast that I heard I don't even heard Carrie and Kelly of the Workationing yeah. podcast and I heard about half of it and I was like man this is enough like I, 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 yeah um, where you're hearing like these stories about like these guys just and you you can kind of see it. I wasn't really in the trenches where I could actually see the actual harassment itself, but you can kind of get the idea of like anytime there was like a female presenter or anything like that, it was like, Oh, how you doing? And I, I kind of got the vibe from it because there, there would be libertarian girls that I would go, Oh, Hey, I recognize you. How are you doing? And they were kind of like, I don't know this guy. Uh, could, could he, could he, the, the thing was like really like skeptical. Like, who are you? 
Oh, 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 you're Jim Jesus. Oh, okay. All right. How you doing? Like, I, I never, I didn't know what you looked like. Yeah, yeah we have to be. Scared yeah, there. there's <laughs> yeah. a bunch of fucking predators. Yeah, on the yeah. Loose. So it was, it was really kind of like standoffish until they found out. Oh, oh, okay. You know MK and all that. Okay, cool, cool. And then after hearing that story, then it all kind of made sense. Like, oh, okay, that's why they were kind of standoffish at first. Now it makes sense. And then like. Once I actually was talking with them and we were like having an exchange or whatever and it was not creepy at all and they realized I'm not a creeper, that's when they were like, oh, okay, why don't you come and hang out with us? We're going to go to Firefly tomorrow. And so, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was all kind of fun, you know? Yeah. Well, it, it is and such a problem. And I did go to Firefly with them and that was an awesome place. Nice. I highly recommend going to that restaurant. But yeah, the, the <laughs> podcast is workationing and it's a really good one. That's run I didn't go to dinner with them, by the way. At least I don't think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they put out a podcast talking about the harassment that they've experienced, and it's very common that that's a thing at conferences. And I've been harassed before, and it's really shitty and uncomfortable, and people don't stick up for you because libertarian men are cowards. Yeah, there I said it. Like <laughs> they're they're extremely cowardly, it's, it's and, and, and it's because, not it's not it doesn't come from a place of yeah. they think that like you're empowered enough to stand up for yourself. It's that they're afraid to even confront power in their own limited sphere. They'll talk all day about the government power, but they don't seem to even understand interpersonal power or things like that. Things that are really damaging to people. And what really bothers me is when people are like, well. Let's come up with all these imaginary scenarios that could possibly happen if we were to implement an anti-harassment strategy without even attempting to implement it. You know, it's like, oh, let's find the most extreme cases of this type of policy being abused so that we never even have to do anything about it. And I think it's really disingenuous because it's based on false ideas, things that don't happen. Things that, I mean, maybe some of that was happening in like the Atheist Plus thing. No, that was was one of the... the, the person that that was really con- – there was like a core group of people that was associated with the free thought blogs. I can't remember this woman's name. But they were the ones that were pushing it outwards. And I was like, that's kind of a good idea because I'm sure this this is happening. It's a better yeah. idea than not having one is kind of the thing yeah. that you – And they were pushing like these really bizarre like demands. Like they were like just like the, the pendant thing. That was the one that I remembered the most. I was like, that's bizarre. And it really tainted it, and then that's when you started having people like uh, Thunderfoot going like, well, see, like this is what they consider sexual harassment, so this is why we don't need a policy. And it's it almost makes it almost compelling uh, of a case to say like, yeah, maybe this isn't happening. Like I knew, I'm sure it's happening, you know, because dude, the guy's sexual thing is, is completely like, biological you know whereas women's sexual thing is more like mental yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know about that i, I don't know that it's all it's not, not all, all but but a lot of it is kind of like something that needs to be done so much of it is socialization yeah. men are socialized from such an early age to view women as either public or private property <laughs> and yeah, treat and yeah. treat them like that and be rewarded for that behavior, right. whether it's, it's by it's their parents, the their thing. teachers, things like that. It's really not though. It's not. It's it, when, when you grow up in a patriarchal culture, then you're going to have values put onto yeah. you and deeply conditioned into you from the time, even before you're born, they've done studies on how 
mothers are talking to their children in the womb differently if they find out, you know, that they're one gender or the other. And it's things like that. I mean, even yeah, in, but, as they're born, all of the, it's it's like an, a whole constant yeah, thing, I, I, and it's I, 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 overbearing I, I to the agree. point where you can't really escape the social I agree, but, but I'm talking about in terms of, like, men's sex drive. It's really, really intense. Um, I have known women with crazy high sex drives. Yeah, like, it's it's yeah, a matter of, of respect and the, self-control. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're a minority. <laughs> that's a, that's terrible excuse. Like that's that's. No, no, I'm not excusing the, it. I'm like, just saying I'm not excusing it. it the, that's a terrible pe- explanation pe- for pe- it. People, people have their yeah, they have that crazy drive, but they also have brains that they can also think with and say, okay, I need to step back and stop being such a dick bag and treat people like human beings. I agree with that, but that that that's just. Yeah. So I mean, when I, I when agree, all I, of your social conditioning I agree is that, backing up predatory behavior right. that I, you may feel has some kind of biological basis, whether or not it actually does, then it's going to be very right. difficult for you to resist. And why would you resist? Like, why would you be better as a man if you are going to get away with it anyway? Yeah. So that's why I don't see to kind of come back to my point about the state. The state's not going away until patriarchy goes away. And I don't think patriarchy is ever going to go away because there's too many incentives for it to stay in place. And there's too many incentives for people to not change because it's a very comfortable if you're a certain type of person. And why would you Why would you want to make yourself less comfortable? Everyone's selfishly motivated. There's no incentive for men to challenge patriarchy. It is harmful to them, but ultimately I think they benefit more in well, it's not, a lot it's, of it's, different It's not ways. dangerous for me because <laughs> I kind of want the state to be on. I'm, I'm against patriarchy at all. Matriarchy, patriarchy, whatever. I'm not against hierarchy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Well, but you kind of see my point. I mean, there's not a whole lot of incentives for people to change. I mean, a lot of these guys are finally getting some consequences for their actions. Yeah as serial sexual abusers. But like someone like Kevin Spacey, who's been abusing people his entire fucking life, dude's not going to get better. Dude, dude was never going to admit to that. Dude was never going to come out and be like, I'm a terrible sexual predator. I'm going to get therapy on my own volition. He had to be caught first and he feels bad because he got caught. And that's all of them. That's every abuser I've ever known. We're not supposed to pay attention to that. We're also supposed to pay attention that he's gay. That's what he wants. He wants to just yeah. ignore all that. Uh, that pissed me off so much. He's gay, okay? Just give him a break. He's gay, and you know. And sometimes, you know, when you're gay, you just rape people. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's not what matters. What matters is that he's a troubled person because he's he's coming out of the closet gay. And how dare you criticize? He's, he's just so <laughs> yeah. complex, and yeah, yeah. deep, and troubled, yeah. and oh wow, yeah. who is he? Yeah, but I mean, even in. Even for a lot of less powerful men, they're just... I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty cynical about a lot of this stuff. I, I'm trying not to be, but I mean, ultimately, that's just kind of what I've observed. And I mean, I know... I mean, I do have great male friends who are really good people. I'm not saying, you know, all men are terrible, but there's a high enough percentage yeah, of them think- that are. Because even my male friends are like... Not dude, men are trash. I think I think it really comes down to the type of person that seeks power in in, in social circles who seek to be have 
who really seek to, I mean, everybody seeks status. That's, that's just a natural uh, human thing. But people who try to like have not just high status, but the highest status, that's when you start seeing people who are sociopaths and they, they enter politics and they enter, you know, trying, trying to present themselves as thought leaders. Like when people started, I was listening to like some other podcasts and people were talking about me as if like I'm some major thought leader. And I'm like, that's insane. Are you really going to listen to me? I I would never want to be considered a thought leader. That's terrifying. Yeah. And I was like, it's, it's interesting that I, that I'm pushing ideas that are, that are great, but it's, I would be much more happier if, if, I mean, it's great that I'm getting publicity and people listening to me more. That's great. Like, I like it. But at the same time, it's at the end of the day, I think it'd be more beneficial if, instead of saying like, well, you know what Jim Jesus says about this. Rather, rather they said, did you ever think about it in terms of this? And then they present my idea. That mm-hmm. That's just as equally fine to me. This is why I – it'd be it'd be interesting to find out that I'm, I'm probably solely responsible for the kind of tides turning in libertarianism, you know, where criticism is coming about. But I'm, I don't, that's, that's interesting to me. But what I'm happy about is that those tides are turning and that those ideas that I have are actually, pe- are being shared by other people, mm-hmm. regardless if it was me who did it. Even if it was someone else who thought about it independently, never heard it about me, had a bigger platform than me and started pushing those ideas. That's, that's just as good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's great what you're doing. I mean, that was kind of the point of, starting your podcast, The Lulberts, yeah. which I've been on a couple of times. I always have a blast yeah. <laughs> on The Lulberts. We fight a whole lot We fight a whole lot. <laughs> like, I, was, I was getting ready for a fight on my podcast. No. I was like, let's fight. Let's fight. Because we, we always yeah, we Well, always we had fight, some disagreements and stuff, but yeah, yeah, I mean, they're, no. they're, on the, they're on the margins. So. Hopefully, it's just a terrible movie. No, and it's that's not. Okay. It's fantastic. I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray. Good. Waste yeah. your money. <laughs> and I'm not going to buy it for the same reason I bought uh, the happening on D on Blu-ray, <laughs> which is a fantastic bad film. <laughs> the happening, it's, yeah, it's it's a high budget. Like the, it's a high films. budget. The room, it really is. Oh man, and I say it's even funnier. I and I still, I st- every time I watch the happening, I still don't know whether or not he intended it to be a, a comedy or not. I'm, I'm gonna have to watch this because uh, well, what I like about your podcast is you are really critical of everything <laughs> which everything. is good of everything but you also do really good movie yeah. reviews and stuff too and did you say you've already seen the disaster artist yes so we were talking about the disaster shit artist. we need to see that tonight we could we, we like- could cancel our other podcast and watch it unless we can i think we can do it in time because we've been doing this for a while now yeah about an hour yeah almost an hour yeah we, we could hour we could wrap it up soon to go, yeah. go see a movie so the disaster artist is based on the making of a movie called the room which is hilariously bad it's yeah. one of the worst movies i've ever seen <laughs> and it's a bad movie that wasn't meant to be a bad movie it so it's, to, it's pure and it's it was badness. supposed to be an oscar-worthy performance by everybody and the script was tackling all kinds of different social issues but they were so <laughs> poorly done and ham-fistly interrupted like he wanted to make a statement about drugs and they took this character he oh, wouldn't God. suspect had anything to do with drugs and they don't bring it up for the rest of the movie either it's just it just comes out of nowhere where he just he uh, where this this drug dealer you know basically pulls a gun on him because he didn't give him his money in time and it's just... Danny! <laughs> You're not my fucking mother! <laughs> <laughs> and He's on drugs! <laughs> <laughs> 
Jenny, why? What kind of drugs? How much money? How much money? What kind of money? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's no. go eat, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the writing is bad. Yeah. The acting is so wooden. Like it's it's so it's so bad. But it's such a good. It's such a mystery. Yeah. He so it was made by Tommy. When the Maso. test came back, and I definitely have yep. breast cancer. Good. Let's never talk about <laughs> this never, again. Let's drop movie. that plot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> never revisit it. Yeah. That's a, and she was like, "You're you're be all okay." Oh, okay. Yeah, she's like, yeah, "You'll be fine." Yeah. <laughs> There's no. But basically, I wouldn't. You know, if you want to watch the whole movie, you can. It's it's so over the top, but you could just watch the highlights on YouTube, oh, yeah, and I think yeah. that'll be good enough. It's it yeah it's there's funny so much and... magic that you can miss though just knowing that there's like these you'd think that if you watch the you know the 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 bits and parts of it that are good like I definitely have breast cancer you'd think that this would be an integral part of the film but no it's not <laughs> it, was, it was a dialogue that took place for seven seconds and then the rest of the movie they never talk about it or mention it again. And you'd think that it would be like, Oh, your mother has breast cancer. Oh man, no, not once. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So, and the story behind it is so interesting. So Tommy Wiseau is this writer slash actor slash director who comes into a bunch of money to make this film. Oh, he didn't know. He had a bunch of money. He, I I thought he like raised it from some mysterious, like no one knows where he got the money from. There's, there's some pretty good uh, people that show that he, where he could have got his money. And it seems like he got it through real estate and his uh, shop selling blue jeans. Levi's blue jeans at, at a at a chain of stores called I think Street Fashions USA. Oh, yeah. So yeah, so he had like a bunch of money but to make this know. film, but we don't yeah. really we know. got the money to do that either. So <laughs> and so yeah, I guess the disaster artist is kind of exploring the story behind the making of one of the worst movies ever that yeah. accidentally became a cult Him classic. And his friendship with Greg Sestero, because Greg Sestero is a person that wrote, that I bought the book for myself for Capitalismus, which is a fantastic event. Oh, we did Capitalismus yeah. last night. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that, because yeah. that was uh, fun. Yeah. It was a very Vegas Capitalismus. It was the most like. Vegas Capitalismus <laughs> that's ever happened. Like, I didn't come to Vegas to do spreadsheets. No. <laughs> Other things got spread, though. Jesus. <laughs> so. Set them up. I'll knock them down. Yep, yep. Um, so I, I, I go to Capitalismus last night, which is an, an event where everyone buys themselves a present mm-hmm. for Christmas and opens it. And, and says, wow, it's what I've always wanted. Right. And yeah. So it was like a fun thing. And we were going to play uh, the Libertarians Against Humanity card game and stuff. Which never happened. Which never happened because this happened instead. We were all just hanging out and there were these very drunk women at the table next to us. And they start inching their way over. Like I could hear them talking about one of the guys at the table <laughs> who's sitting across from me because they're so drunk and so loud. Yeah. And they're like kind of trying to whisper, but it's so obvious that like <laughs> it looks like. Jesus. And they're like, hey, looks like Jesus. They can't hear us. Yeah, and so they, they basically inch their way over to him and mm. just like glom onto him. And it's really like, it's an uncomfortable situation because they're kind of like groping him. Yeah. I think he's trying married to too. Kiss and, him he and, like, oh. and he's like clearly uncomfortable. And I'm kind of like trying to divert them. I was like, this is weird. And then they eventually glom onto me and just kind of make the rounds around the table, just be buying us drinks and 
just being very drunk and <laughs> it was it was hilarious but it was also really uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I felt bad because I wanted to stand up for some of the guys that were being kind of groped and <laughs> accosted I guess but they also weren't I couldn't gauge if they were like oh well, I don't want this to happen like because one of the guys I was like I don't think he's in need of a white knight to yeah. like ward this woman off of him. Uh, so I didn't want to be presumptive, but it was very uncomfortable. And, the and, and this is kind of like a weird, it's a weird double standard with the sexual harassment stuff because I think it's always wrong, regardless of who's doing it and the gender of who's doing it. But the reason it's seen as less bad when women do it is because they're not seen as much of a threat. Mm-hmm. And I think that's if I really a lot wanted of it. to, I could, I could have been like, uh-uh. Go yeah. away, and that would have been the end of that. Right, right. The implicit threat wasn't very high in that situation, although it was totally uncomfortable and weird. And, I mean, it was, it was kind of funny to me. I mean, like, I, you know, we were all drinking and having a good time. Ten, ten. and But we, we were all drinking and that having a good time, and it just got very, yeah, like, vacancy and <laughs> funny and... And then eventually they left, but we never got to play the card yeah. game. Yeah, and I never thought I'd live the day to say I kissed I kissed a girl that MK has kissed. Yeah, that's this, bizarre. <laughs> this girl kissed both of us. Uh, I guess, all of us. She all of us. Uh, Jeff, got away, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff got away unscathed. Jeff Jeff got away unscathed. But she she got us all. I didn't think she was going to get me, but she left a jacket behind, and I made the mistake of going and running, oh, chasing again. them down <laughs> to like give them the jacket. And she turns around and just like grabs me and like smooches me. And I'm like, all right, this is happening. This is happening. This is what happens in Vegas, apparently. I guess what happens in Vegas goes on my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad we didn't get names. (laughs) I don't even remember their names. They told us their names, and they don't remember our names either. I think it was a whiskey that they bought us. They bought us whiskey. That was a very uh, interesting night. Yeah, it was was, was hilarious. We were like, eventually we're going to open presents. Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. We were, we were all kind of like, let's see where this goes. Because it was, it was pretty funny. It was, I mean, they were, they were a hoot. Yeah. <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> I, I feel like it was worth it. I, I hope, you know, no one was hurt by that whole situation. Because yeah, yeah. clearly it was pretty uncomfortable. So, I don't know. I, it felt... It was it was weird. It was weird and uncomfortable, but also kind of funny and it, one of those weird kind of gray area situations yeah. where I mean, they weren't being violent or anything. They were just mm, being like <laughs> very gropey. I did not appreciate the groping because yeah. it got a little intense. And I was just kind of like, okay, that's, you know, not okay. It wouldn't be okay if you were a guy like... Yeah, I mean, if you would have said, like, okay, stop, I would have been like, all right, hold on, all right, break it up, you two. And then she would have just been like, oh, what about you? Grow, right, grow, grow. Grow, grow. yeah, and, yeah, I mean, and ultimately I I can take care of myself in those situations. Um, it was interesting but... to kind of experience, like, very forceful sexual harassment, but I was, I was kind of okay with it, but at the same time I was like, that's some of the worst sexual harassment I've seen come from women. I yeah. will say that. That's pretty. That's high on my list of. But I just wanted to experience overt. it. Uh, to, 
trade shoes, I guess. But <laughs> it was very different because on one hand I was like, I'd hit. And on the other <laughs> hand it was like, but they're drunk, so they can't really technically no. consent. Yeah. And so it was like this weird kind of conflict I was having. I was like, want. It's not enthusiastic. Shouldn't exactly. have. Want. Shouldn't have. <laughs> I'm going to say no, but I'm going to, I'm going to play, I'm going to play along for a little bit. If it gets too far, I'll stop it, but no. <laughs> yeah, there was, they were clearly trying to have a good time, and that's that's fine and all, yeah. but yeah, I don't think they were capable of consenting. No, and, no. You know, and, and everyone recognized that, too, yeah. and I was the only... Even Baron, who was who was doing most of the fun stuff, was, <laughs> was like, you can't even answer my question. Do you want to, where are we going to go? You keep saying we're going to go. Where are we gonna go? And she wouldn't be able. She couldn't even enunciate where. And it was like, then no, <laughs> we're not going anywhere. Yeah. To yeah. to to you guys' credit, it was definitely a situation that could have been taken advantage of. But yeah. everyone was aware of like this is not okay. I mean, it's okay for them to be having fun and stuff. And it but wouldn't have end, okay. ended well anyway. Like, I don't I don't know how how. Uh, what 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 what's your what's your MPAA rating on your podcast? But I made a joke about vomiting and showers <laughs> in those kinds of scenarios, and and what kind of magic that that can lead to. <laughs> Very black, dark magic. Because <laughs> oh, that you don't want to be in, you know. No, that's that's you know, like Some, super wasted sex is not no. that fun. It's and, not really and, fun for anyone involved, and it's, being puked on is not fun. Being puked on is really not fun. And depending on where you're puked at, also factors in on how unfun it is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I. Uh, yeah, you know, th- that happened. <laughs> that was the very biggest thing. And, uh, yeah, just funny, weird shit. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I wanted to come to Vegas and see some Vegas shit. And, and I you saw like some I did. Vegas shit. We went to the strip, and still, it wasn't nearly as Vegas. It was not as, as Vegas at all. Far off strip place that we went to. Yeah, like, we were <laughs> how far away from the strip were we at that place? Yeah, we were about. It's kind of like in their. So what kind of suburban area? Yeah, it was like probably area. about a fifteen minute drive from you know North Strip. Okay, yeah, yeah, twelve minutes from downtown or something. Yeah, 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 and uh, we went to Mandalay, <laughs> right? Yeah, we did. Yeah. We there was saw some commie commie crap there too. Oh, we saw the statue of Lenin. Yeah, the headless Lenin. Yeah, yeah, I took a picture with. Headless Lennon. It's on Twitter. <laughs> Confirmed commie. Confirmed commie. I mean, everyone knows I'm a commie. Everyone knew I was a commie when I did the podcast with James. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about wage slavery. Talking about some wage slavery. Exploitation. I was like, oh, Exploitation of the workers. It's a, it's a real theft. fucking thing. And then, and then, rent is theft. No, it's not. <laughs> rent is a service. Well, I hate rent. Well, I'm I'm no fan of paying rent either. But I think I think what you're what you're getting for rent is a very different service than what you would do paying a house payment. Because if I owned a house, I'm basically responsible for everything that happens. So I rent an apartment, and if my water heater goes out or my dishwasher goes out, they come and fix it, and you saw it. If my dishwasher goes out in my house that I paid for and I own, tough shit. 
better fork up the cash to to fix your own thing. And so you pay a premium so to not have that duty and responsibility. If I rented a house and my roof leaked, guess who's who's responsible for that? It ain't me. <laughs> That's the landlord. So is uh I understand how rent works. <laughs> I know yeah, why it works. I, 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 <laughs> but when people talk about rent as theft, they you know, they say like, but you don't own it, but you're the one living there. But it's like, yeah, but you're also not responsible for the things that happen there. Someone else is. Uh, and I that's mean, what you're paying for. Depends on where you're living. And what dep- if you put a hole and in rent, your wall. Rent is absolutely theft if you are living in a really rough area where they don't come out and maintain oh, yeah, their yeah, appliances. Yeah. And they're charging you an exorbitant right, amount of money I agree to, with that. to live. I mean, there I are absolutely, like, rent prices are so inflated too yeah. especially in places like california and stuff i mean you're paying over a grand a month for the seediest one bedroom or, or studio apartment that like yeah. is just barely livable sometimes but that, yeah that's but also the government's paying for that so it's, it's technically a government service <laughs> you just happen, we're paying for you, that. you just happen to be the though. one person in that whole place that was like oh no i'm paying out of cash out of pocket for this which is yeah. what I did too. Like I lived, I lived in an apartment. It was it was Section Eight housing that I that I personally was paying for, rather than the state. Yeah. So it yeah. Was, yeah, it's a little bit of a di- different situation. And yeah, like that's I would say that you know those criticisms apply. But if you're talking about generally rent is theft, I, I'm not I'm not on board. What do you think about property is theft? Definitely. Okay, so property is theft. Now, that's interesting because Perdone is that Perdone, the one? yeah. So, Perdone is the one that said it, and Perdone was talking about, and context matters, is the state was, was a feudal state that he was living in. Mm-hmm. So, if there was a big swath of land and you wanted to let your cows graze on it and you owned the land, you didn't actually own the land. It was actually owned by the king, and mm-hmm. they could tell you what you can and can't do with it. Like, no, I don't want you grazing on that land. I want you to build this factory or something there and you had to do it. And so when he was talking about rent is theft, you or property is theft. He's talking about you own this property. It's not that you, that you stole it from other people who could use it better than you. It was that it was being stolen from you by the state. And a lot of people kind of use that incorrectly, especially with the left and comms was saying like, if you own a manufacturing plant, you're stealing from people. And that's not what he was talking about. He later clarified it, but it went unnoticed, but so context well, all, matters. All property is stolen, pretty much. There's no or even in their natural state. It's yeah, stolen I mean, from nature. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. If you want to go far back enough, I mean, yeah. I mean, no, because every it's everything all... is my property. Well, so egoism <laughs> says everything is my property. I took it. Mutualism says property is theft. Might is right. Uh, Anarcho capitalism says property is everything. Basically, there are anything no that you can mix your labor rights. with. That's what they. Say. Anything that you mix your labor with is yours. Yeah, it'd be like or anything that you traded with your with your mixed labor. Yeah, that's what they that's what they say. But see, I, I'm that's more. That's what they say. I, I don't. I don't look look in terms of um, like yeah, those kind of philosophical concepts are interesting. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm a consequentialist, utilitarian kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, okay, that may be true. But what 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 what's going to bring the most amount of prosperity to people and and cause the least amount of problems? And it seems as though like 
for all of its faults, capitalism seems to be a, a much better solution. Not state capitalism, or not what anarcho-communists call state capitalism either. I mean, like, the state working in bed with corporations and infrastructure bombs and all that shit. Like, none of that stuff. I guess yeah. I just don't ever see the state going away to where you could ever have truly free market capitalism. And I guess I also don't see... I don't... I, you can see glimmers of it throughout history. You, you can. But they're just glimmers. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, even capitalism doesn't address power so much. It doesn't address, you know, huge power disparities. And it's just basically... Power is going to accumulate through a free market no matter yeah. what. Yeah, I don't really know how... Again, I don't have solutions for all of this. I have a lot more criticisms of yeah, everything than I have. But it's a whole lot better than solutions. having than having bread lines. Yeah, I mean bread lines are <laughs> clearly <laughs> not an actual communist. You know, I, I joke about it, but I mean I'm, genocides and all this other stuff. Yeah, it's a whole lot better than having all those stuff. It's like, do I want to have a shitty boss? No. Is having a shitty boss better than having the state your boss? Oh yeah, <laughs> and if I don't work, I get I get thrown in, in, in Siberia. I'll pass on that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. No I'd rather, I'm not I'd rather advocating. just get fired. I'd rather just get fired. I'll take that. I mean, and that's a pretty common problem. I, I think a lot of people have when you criticize something, they automatically assume that you're for the opposite. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I'll criticize capitalism, right? But that doesn't mean I'm for communism. I'm very, very anti-communist. <laughs> I'll joke about it. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, no, I, I don't want yeah. that either. Because you ultimately, you can't control things. You can't centrally control things. No matter what you do, everything is just chaotically balanced on different levels of other types of chaos. Yep. <laughs> so, well, I think, I think we're reaching a good kind of, man, we, we covered a lot. Yeah. We covered a lot. Yeah. So we, we didn't even argue. We mostly agreed. Well, hateful eight. Hateful eight. It's clearly just, a great film. We're just going to have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Terribly. <laughs> Go see hateful eight. If you want to waste three hours of your life. It's great. See it in seven, it's boring seven, as fuck. 70 millimeter. I did it, see it in 70 millimeter and I oh, still I'm thought jelly. it sucked. I did not see it in 70 millimeter. I'm jelly. <laughs> well. I probably would enjoy it. It was totally more. wasted on me. <laughs> you, probably, you probably just had a bad projectionist. That's what it was. I'm going to chalk it up I'm to that. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure when you're, <laughs> I saw only, it in 4K. When you're only photographing beautiful. snow, it's going to be a shitty fucking film. <laughs> snow is beautiful. It's when it doesn't snow. I guess conditions are right I mean, for the snow, and then it gets depressing. Like if it's all there's so like you know, colors, whatever. It's boring. It's not as best. Clerks was a great film when it was all black and white. I like black and white. It's just, but you don't like. I don't like. <laughs> why do you waste it's seven not an millimeter I, I, on I think, snow? I, th- I think scenes. It's just what about smashing boring. Up? Like an antique guitar that's worth more than everybody on that set. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's just for one scene. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Course, that's some over, it's super indulgent. Actually, that's some Kurt Russell shit. That is some yeah. Kurt Russell shit, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm going to say it was a little, a little indulgent even for Tarantino. It was way too indulgent. I was like, maybe, I don't know, maybe that level is warranted for him. Disagree. Shim Jesus, you were wrong. <laughs> you were wrong about Hateful Eight, but you were right about. We'll see the happening tonight. We'll, we'll see how right I am. I think the happening might be a better film than the room. 
The Happening. Okay. All right. Well, I, I think we're going to watch The Happening. Yeah. And Lady Magdalene. <laughs> and Lady Magdalene. And, <laughs> and we're, we're going to be doing another podcast, I guess, for the Lulberts. So yep. where, where can people find you? Thelulberts.com. Lulberts.com works, too. Uh, if you want to get a, the full list of all the stuff that I do, it's all on uh, jimjesus.com. That's just basically a placeholder where I link all the stuff I do. YouTube, podcasts. And you're on Patreon too, right? Yeah, Patreon. Patreon slash jimjesus. I podcast every day. Yes. You're a, you're a trooper. Every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, it's just me driving to work in my car, ranting about... How crappy the Star 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 Wars prequels are, or <laughs> like how Rent is not theft and James is wrong. <laughs> and you're then beefing, I get a, you're and then, beefing and I, with all my guests, aren't and, you? <laughs> yeah. Except Angela, she's cool. Okay, yeah, you can't. Well, she's, she's you can't not beef with Angela. Yeah. Oh no, we're we're gonna be doing some episodes. Yeah. At some point, I'm already I'm already agreeing with that. Unless she says anything bad about the hateful eight, well, gonna, you know, then we're gonna fight. I'll fight her IRL one v one. I would, man. I would, <laughs> I would not want to fight Angela. No, she'd, she'd probably if kick I was my anyone, ass. she would. She would totally kick, kick everyone's <laughs> ass. Like I. <laughs> yeah. So, well, cool, well, cool. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Jim. It's been awesome, and I'm looking forward to the Little Birds podcast. And check him out. He's on Patreon and JimJesus.com, and yeah, really fucking funny. So, words your wigwam. <laughs> words your wigwam. <laughs> it's a whole lot better than annelids. Annelids. Worms. Worms. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Word to your wigwam. To your wigwam. Word to your wigwam. There you go.